What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts, you can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is on my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome to the Chase Thomas podcast. We're recording this on a Thursday evening, and on the line right now, Levi Weaver of the Athletic and Levi, tell me, Adrian Beltre is going to be an Atlanta Brave in the next week. Uh, man, I don't know. I suppose they've got as good a shot as any. Um, Beltre has his 10 and 5 rates, so he can kind of decide if he wants to go somewhere or not. Um, the Braves are an interesting an interesting possibility, and I haven't really heard any Beltre to the Braves rumors, but um, you know, with Ron Washington over there, I know Wash was really well-liked among the players in the, in the clubhouse, and they've got a fun young staff. I mean, if I'm the Braves, absolutely. I'm gunning for Beltre just to have that presence in the clubhouse when you've got all these young guys that are, you know, you got a lot of potential superstars there and you can bring in a guy who is as well-respected and well-loved as Beltre and who still knows how to have fun. He's not like a grumpy old veteran. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's the kind of guy that you want on your team. So it makes sense for the Braves. Um, it just matters. You know, the, the, the question is, would Beltre want to go there and, and could the Braves bring a package that, that made it worth worth it to the Rangers to let him go. Um, I mean, if I'm the Rangers, I think at, at this point, I think they're going to kind of defer to Beltre. Go, hey, look, is this a, is this where some place you want to go? I don't think we're going to see a situation where the team, you know, comes to terms. We find out that they've agreed on the players, and all of a sudden Beltre at the last minute goes, Nah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I think they, I think that Beltre has earned that, and I think that John Daniels has talked about being in very close communication with Beltre throughout this whole process. So I think, um, yeah, it's going to depend on, I guess, a lot of factors, but the Braves make a lot of sense. So uh, I've, I've also heard Phillies as well as, as one possible destination. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, I guess the problem, though, for me with all of this is 
he's not Mike Moustakis, and the Braves have um, been linked to Mike Moustakis as their veteran temporary stopgap third baseman for the last three years. So I just mm-hmm. I don't know if you if Adrian Beltre at this point in his career can replicate the kind of grit that you get out of somebody like Mike Moustakis. Like the you just can't teach that kind of grit. Uh, <laughs> man, I. I actually can't tell if that's a if, if that's a tongue-in-cheek oh, comment. Um, but um, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Uh, like Beltre has played through so many injuries. He seems like the the epitome of uh, of grit. Like has like he plays better when he's hurt, which is just the craziest thing. Um, now that said, there there have been legitimate concerns this year about his increased strikeout totals. I mean, he's striking out more than he ever has. Uh, his power is down. And he's He's 39 years old, and he's certainly not going to be. You're not trading for 2011 Adrian Beltre, um, but I don't think you know. I, I still think he's going to be a. I still think he's going to be good for whatever team he ends up with. So, um, you know, and on even with personal selfish note, like I'd hate to see him go. It's in a season like this, you're covering a team that is losing a lot of games. You sort of take your joy where you can get them. So he's a good guy to talk to. Good quote. Watching Adrian Beltre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't talk as much as you know, a lot of people, but he knows when we need him and he's not crabby about it, but just even watching him play, like he still has fun. He's in a couple of games ago that somebody's bat slipped out of their hands and he just, you know, he pretended like he was trying to field the bat and like, <laughs> that's dumb. That's the sort of thing you would expect from like a 21 year old, but like he still has fun like a 21 year old, even though he's almost 40 and man, in a season like this, and you got to watch a bunch of games that have not gone well. Those little things are, he just kind of claims like, oh, good. I got to have five seconds of fun. That sounds like Great. breaking in another unwritten rule of baseball, though. So he should probably tone that down as well. Like, you can't have too much fun playing baseball. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's probably why teams, that's going to be a red flag for a lot of teams. Like, oh, he enjoys the game a lot. We so. don't want that. No. Um, no, it's um, Who is your best quote? Like, who, or I guess, who do you enjoy talking with the most on this Rangers team? Because like you said, this has been a bad season. And I wonder, like, if you're a beat writer, like, it might be I feel like it would be just as interesting to cover a really bad shitty team like the Orioles this year, like just with everything going on there Mm -hmm. or a really good team. But like being in the middle, like I imagine just covering somebody like, I don't know, uh, who's a good, like there's no middle of the road teams anymore because that third of the of major league baseball. Yes. Yeah. Somebody like that where it's like, they're exactly 500. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they're not just like a train wreck across the board they're just they're right. killed with the injury bug and everything else so it's just not really interesting it's just sad like i look at the angels and i'm yeah. just I'm yeah. bummed out right right and that's kind of where texas was for the first little while um you know, they just had a lot of injuries and it looked like you know maybe if people are healthy and like just, just no just no and, i mean there is uh there are just certainly storylines to cover there are things to write about when a team is losing um and you're headed into a rebuild and you know, for me, one of the one of the fun things to cover this year has been watching the new guys come up. You know, people like Ronald Guzman, uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, these really young guys getting their first shot at the big leagues. And then guys like Brandon Mann, who spent like 16 years in the minor leagues and made his big league debut this year. Those are fun yeah. stories to write. Those stories don't happen as much on a team that's winning because you are, you know, you don't, you don't have the the playing time available for the guys to to learn at the big league level. Um, but there's and the downside, which I'm sure I'm not, you know, 
this is not a revelation to anybody, but when teams are winning, everybody's in a better mood. That is, that and is everybody awesome. loves to talk after the game and like it's a big fun happy thing uh, a season like this and especially this week you know when you got the trade li- deadline looming and you got guys wondering where they're going to live in a week and they're uh you know they just lost they lost the game last night i mean they were up 10 to 2 after six innings and lost 13 to 10 um not great those weeks are hard no and you know not only the uncertainty of the trade deadline and blowing up the team but also just like losing is a bad combination and first to wear on guys around this time. So that's not fun. Um, as far as just getting quotes and things go, like guys aren't, they're not being surly. They're not like refusing to talk, but you, you just, you can just see like, you <laughs> walk up and they're like, oh, <laughs> not again. <sighs> All right, let's do this. Yeah, let's do this. Let's get this out of the way. So, so you um, must feel great just going so yeah, man, I all the have... time, like uh, just knowing that they don't want to talk to you on a daily basis because everything's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It must be fun. I know. I'm, I'm just practicing my like. All right, I know you don't want to do this. Neither do I. Let's get through this thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just practicing my empathy. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I would certainly rather cover a winning team. I would love to. Uh, I would love to deal with all of that. Well, thankfully, Again, the Astros window looks like it's closing pretty soon. So, um, we'll right <laughs> back atop of the AL West sooner rather than later, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the time I'm fifty, I should be able to. <laughs> be right back in the in the middle of uh, champagne exactly. showers. John Daniels will be what forty three at that point, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right, yeah. By the time I'm fifty, he'll be fifty two. So I think that's about right. I think that's how math works. Um, yeah. <laughs> was this the type of season that John Daniels and this team expected? Did they have any kind of real hope? Did they? Was it kind of a facade of optimism that maybe things go right? They're a wild card team or did they just go into it like this is going to be a rebuilding year? We're going to focus on the young guys. Like we're going to call up some people. We're going to trade some people like Cole Hamels, Beltre, maybe other guys like that. Or uh, where were they at? Did you ever get a good read on whether or not they really were intentionally punting on the season, or just at least expecting that they were going to be bad? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think this was obviously um, well within the realm of possibilities. I don't think anybody's surprised by this. Um, I mean, your starting rotation going into the year included uh, what Doug Fister and Bartolo Colon, and like that's not no knock on either of those guys. And in fact, Colon has been much better than expected. Well, that's if you doubt. But it's not, and, and that's that's your fault. That's your issue if you ever doubt Bartolo Colon at this point in his career. Right, right. That's yeah. on me. That is on me. But but no, I mean they didn't spend the, in the free agent market. And, and frankly, like a lot of the guys that they could have spent on, I mean Lorenzo Cain's had a good year. But you look at guys like Lance Lynn and Ariad has been pretty good. But the rest of the guys, Alex Cobb's been terrible. Um, Darvish has had his worst season. Uh, it's not like it's not like they, you know, laid out on a bunch of guys that ended up being fantastic this year. So I think maybe it was just some combination of kind of a perfect storm. Like, look, the free agent market isn't going to provide the things that we need right now. We know that our superstars the superstars our, our veterans are aging out and yeah maybe if things break well and we get lucky we can make a run at a wild card but frankly like i think the writing was on the wall that, that this is this was the most likely outcome um that it was going to be a trade deadline sell off and um and so so now here we are and the really unfortunate thing is you know if cole hamels is 
had an ERA of under two for the last month. That'd be really that. The repercussions of his terrible July are going to ring for years yeah. in the organization because the package that the, the the package you're going to get in return for Hamels this year is vastly less than what it could have been. And then the same kind of goes for oh, for sure, for sure, uh, because the team option for next season is nineteen million dollars. Well, a team in the middle of a rebuild is not going to give. 35-year-old Cole Hamill, $19 million to pitch for them. So that's not happening. So then they would have to buy him out for $6 million. And if you want any kind of a, you know, if you want to get absolutely nothing for him, you give him the $6 million and tell him farewell. If you want to get a compensatory pick, then you have to make the qualifying offer. Well, between the qualifying offer and the $6 million buyout, he's going to take that because that's going to be more than $19 million that he would have gotten paid anyway. So you you, you got to just... I mean, the teams know that that he they it makes no sense for them whatsoever to keep him, and so they're going to take what they can get. It'll probably happen on the trade deadline. Wait till the last minute and pick from who you know whoever offered the best package. Um, do you think do you think John Daniels has long term job security, or do you think um, him going through a long term rebuild might mean that he's not with this organization long term? Do you think? ownership's cool with him and them going through this long-term rebuild and because it's just you get into murky waters when you go through this kind of change do you think he is there for the long haul i don't know that i've got enough information to really definitively say one way or the other yet um i think i think it's going to depend on how how the rest of this deadline goes um and how how the next year or two of you know drafting and trading goes I think they're going to give him the chance to be the one that, that helms the ship as they go through the rebuild for sure. He, he did a good job on the last one, making the, the Mark Teixeira trade to bring in you know, Elvis Andrews and Matt Harrison and Nestle Felice and those guys. So I think they're going to give him a chance to see if he's capable of successfully doing the rebuild. But, you know, if that drags on into three, four, five, six year process, then I, I don't think he would be here to see that sixth year. They did just sign into a two-year extension, though. So, I mean, I think he'll probably go ahead and I, I just I'm guessing here, but I, I would guess that he at least gets to work through the end of that extension just to kind of uh, head up this this transition. Okay. Um, how quickly do you think they can turn this around? Because it does seem like they're a team, unlike um, I don't know, not, I don't want to say the Reds or the Marlins or the Royals where it just seems like they're going to be bad for a really long time. Definitively. Like you could see a scenario where the Rangers get back into wildcard contention sooner rather than later, because they do have a lot of interesting young pieces. And it does seem like John Daniels, uh, he's a good GM. So you just, I, I just don't want to count them out altogether, but I also don't have a great read on where they're headed. Like I could see them jumping back in sure. two years. And I could also see this being like a five year long-term, like we've got to tear this down. We've got to go through a very painful restocking and right. there's incentive to that because guess what the yankees aren't going anywhere the astros aren't going anywhere the red sox aren't going anywhere right. the indians might go somewhere but unfortunately for uh, other teams in the al they play in the al central so they like their contention right. window they, they just can't go anywhere because their division is that bad that's just going to keep them afloat um yeah, just I wonder if that's something that they're thinking about where it's like we can't even compete now and then you have the A's rising. Like the A's are coming. We don't know how long that right. will be, but 
Um, there is, a, but their cycles go so fast. Too. I mean, the A's kind of go through rebuilds and contention cycles every three years. That's so I'm so interested to see what happens here. Do they finally start spending like a uh, major market in Oakland? Do they go big and try and acquire someone really fascinating? Um, the deadline because they're in the thick of things and are only a couple of games back. I think right now, if the Mariners like they're an interesting test case, and I even mentioned the Mariners like they're there. And Jerry DePito, obviously right. not a dude who's shy about trading. So he's going to be pushing for them to continue to contend for the next couple of years. So it's just, I wonder if that is all on John Daniel's mind. I'm sure it is of just like, you know what, even if I wanted to reload rather than go through a long-term rebuild, it, it might just be stupid to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, so here's the most optimistic scenario is right now with the young guys that the Rangers have under control, they've got so first base, you got Guzman, second base, Odor, who had a terrible last season but has really made a lot of uh, improvement this year his defense is better his offense is finally coming around his season long numbers don't look great yet but if you just look at the last month and a half to two months he's been on a tear he's really you know he's the AL player of the week last week uh shortstop I think Andrews is probably going to be the long-term sort of veteran guy he's turned 30 um I think he'll be here through this whole rebuild and kind of be the guy that is the the clubhouse leader so pencil him at shortstop so he's going to be the third base Escobar of the Rangers. Right. 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 Um, third base, you could say Isaiah kind of was a, an above average defensive third baseman when he was there filling in for Beltre earlier this year, right field, Mazzara center field could be, it'll be Leo de Tavares by the time that they start to contend again, left field. You got Calhoun. I haven't even mentioned Joey Gallo yet. So maybe Gallo's in left and Calhoun's your DH. So, at every position, you've kind of got a young, controllable guy that's got some potential to be a big league player. Uh, the question is going to be their pitching, and it seems like a decades-long question around here. And there are guys in the minor leagues that, you know, that the Rangers are not unique in saying, we've got some really great arms that are going to come up. We've got some studs in the minor leagues that are just going to really come up and be our, our future. But, you know, Kyle Cody just had Tommy John surgery. Joe Colombo is just coming back from Tommy John surgery. Michael Machuela has been uh, on the on the DL significant. He's had at least one Tommy John surgery. The only guy that's really been injury free is Hans Kraus. He's got such a freaking weird delivery with just so much kind of almost like a Tim Lincecum look to him when he delivers. He's like, is he going to be able to avoid injury? I, I don't know. So the question. I don't think it's going to be the offense. I think the question is if the pitching comes through. And if that's the case, you know, if they're, if they're young studs hit even at like a 60% rate and then they can go spend that money that they're not spending on their offense because they don't have to go spend that on some free agent pitching, there's a chance 2020, that first year in the new stadium, they, they could legitimately hope to contend. Okay. But that's the optimistic. I mean, that's the optimistic standpoint. You know, the, the pessimistic standpoint is half of these guys – don't live up to their potential. Two or three more of your minor league guys get injured and flame out. And then where are you? Well, the rest of your farm system is not stocked that deep because of all the years that you spent, you know, trading them off to contend and, and understandably so, but yeah, I mean, it could go very, very wrong. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, either, <laughs> either one of those things could be the ultimate outcome. So, you know, fingers crossed for 2020, I guess. <laughs> oh man uh being a baseball is so weird now just like knowing that 
like so many fan bases are just like hey guess what you're gonna suck for five years like that's just how it is like uh-huh. you just have no say in the matter it's just that's how things are gonna be um speaking of like yeah. bad uh, ominous things uh you wrote about this guy and it's uh his demotion has caused a little bit of a kerfuffle and i just yeah uh, what happened here well i don't know i mean delano de shields is um he's hitting he, he was hitting 065 for july so Clearly, something was not right at the plate. I feel like that's not good. Um, I'm going to check Fangraph to see how that stacks up for right. the rest of today, right. but it doesn't seem great. I can I can actually tell you it was worse than baseball okay. for July. Chris Davis uh, that number and just being like, dude, even I can do that. Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, get, get, <laughs> get with it, man. So they gave him the second day off after the uh, All-Star break. He had the day off. And we're like, that's, he certainly didn't need the rest. And, Jeff Bannister said he was giving him a day just to work on some things. And, and DeShield said, you know, what I, what I worked on, what I figured out is that my stance was standing too tall. I need to get a little lower, get my head a little closer to the strike zone so I can see the ball better um, because I need to be on base more. And the next game back, he walked his first two times at bat, scored runs both times. And you're like, sweet man, like that's, that's a really quick adjustment. The following day, he had, I think, combined seven pitches that he saw in four at bats. And, um, and so the team decided it was time for him to go work on it in AAA. Now, as a standalone decision, that's perfectly understandable. Yeah, you hit 065 in July. You saw seven pitches in four at-bats. You, you need to go work on some stuff. Um, but I think in the clubhouse, there was a sense. I, I, I got the sense, anyway, of we're not contending. You let Rutnetto Odor play last year 162 games. And his batting average at the end of the year was 204. Now, yes, his slugging was in the, like, uh, whatever his slugging was. He was much, much better than DeShields's. But DeShields' on base was still 50 points higher than Odor's from last year. Like 252 for Odor and low threes for DeShields. Um, and in addition, Odor's defense was terrible last year. Um, DeShields' defense, and there's been a knock on him in, in his career thus far, had been excellent. He'd been one of the best defensive center fielders in, in all of baseball this year. So I think there was a sense in the clubhouse of like, okay, so this guy gets to stay up and work through it at the big league level. Even when, you know, mid-September of last season, the Rangers were kind of making a push. The, the AL was so weak that they were making a push for the wild card, even though they were just right around 500. Um, and they ended up fading at the end, and Odor hit under 200 for the last month. This year, wasted season, and you're going to send this guy down and you're going to, and then furthermore, Carlos Tochi is now the center fielder. Tochi came into the game hitting yesterday, I think hitting like 105. His on base percentage is like 200. He's a Rule Five guy, so he can't be sent down to Triple A. Um, but his his perfect, he's just he's not he's not ready to be a big league player. I mean, that's just that's, I don't think I'm being insulting or unfair to say that his swing is too long. His body is he's built like me. Um, which is to, for for the listeners who don't know, I'm I'm built about like a broom. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm the same way, so, so I can relate. Yeah, yeah. And so I think there's some frustration, and like players understand when a season is lost, but they still want to go out and be able to compete every day. And who gives them a better chance to win? Is it the Shields or is it Tochi? Well, even the Shields, at you know hitting 204 for the season, is he's a better player than Tochi. And I think 
that was really frustrating for a lot of guys. And it happened to come on a week where, you know, the trade deadline is looming. It's a team that's going to sell. You know, you know, you got guys worried about where they're going to go. The team's being kind of blown up a little bit. I just think it's just it a bad combination of, of uh, circumstances. And, and it's not everybody. People were not like, somebody reported yesterday that the shield turned over the electric football table in the, um, what? In the locker room. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, a, there's, there's not an electric football t- that machine you know about. in the locker room. So that's clearly egregious. Uh-huh. And <laughs> like, I, I, I was talking to with one of the Rangers radio guys yesterday. I'm like, okay, of everybody in this locker room, who is the guy that's the least likely to dump over if if such a table existed, who would be the least likely to dump Ooh, it over? Question. And we're like, okay, number one, Robinson Chirinos. Mm-hmm. Uh, number number two, Austin Bibbins Dirks. Okay. I I think number three is the Shields. Like he's just not, he's a laid back, chill guy, and you could tell he was disappointed with the decision. You could tell that he, you know, when we talked to him, he said that they want the team wants him to get back to who he had been previously. And he said, well, I, I, I think I can be better than that player. And then Jeff Bannister said, well, yeah, I agree with you. But first, you got to get back to being that player because right now you're worse. Um, Damn. Yeah, you could tell he was frustrated with the decision. Uh, Bannister, that, that's not a quote. Bannister didn't say right now you're worse. He did say, yeah, I agree with the Shields. But first, he has to get back to that mm-hmm. point, which so, so implies. Um, so it, it wasn't like people were you know, setting things on fire and building picket signs and just chanting in the locker room. It was nothing like that, but it was just just quiet. It was tough. Um, I talked to one player who kind of aired out a little bit of his frustration. He said, this this sucks. The decision was, uh, you know, I don't, I don't agree with this decision. I, I, I went out. I'm ready to go. So, um, I don't, that can be an emotional thing that could be something that built up you know earlier this year chris martin was sent to triple a and just didn't it wasn't a it wasn't because his um what's the way it was it wasn't a performance issue it was because they needed somebody to go to triple a and he had options and, and that's happened with a couple of guys this year and i think i think the players just kind of like i said in a winning season i think everybody'd be fine with okay. it so but I'm gonna throw the names. Just, just a lot I'm of. I'm gonna throw some names of most likely guys to get traded at the deadline for the Rangers, and you can make your prediction based on what you know. Even if you know nothing, wild speculation is totally fine on this podcast. Um, okay. Shin. Okay. Shin Is it Shin Su or Shin Su? I don't remember which one it is. Is it Shin? So Shin, like the part of your leg. Su, like what you do if somebody commits libel. Right. Chu, like what you do to your gotcha. food. Shin okay. Su Chu. Where does he go? Um, Oakland. Ooh, I like it. But I think, okay. I think if he does, I think Texas has to eat a bunch of salary. Man. Does Oakland have a lot? Because he signed through, I think, 2021. I say, wait, who even on Oakland makes a lot of money these days? No, it's not, it's not necessarily because Oakland couldn't afford it. I think it's because they don't want to pay as much money as Chu is owed through the next no, I'm saying, three like, who would they be years. To Texas that, like, I, I don't know. Oh, 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 oh. 
No, I think it would be for prospects. Okay. Um, I think Texas would eat a lot of the money and basically pay two to play for the A's gotcha, in gotcha, return gotcha, for prospects. Gotcha. Okay, I misunderstood. I thought you were saying that they would have to send somebody back just to like make the salaries work, like it's an NBA trade oh, machine no, no, no. thing where it's yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Okay, um, Beltre. Uh, I think Phillies are most likely, but I kind of like your suggestion of the Braves. So let's go Braves. Phillies too. I, that seems that, like their third baseman situation due to the injury and Franco just um, like, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's just not great. Um, and you know, an interesting possibility also is Boston because didn't uh, more offense. Devers it, 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 have an injury recently? Well, he just came back, right? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, maybe so. We'll, we'll put them in as the dark horse. Um, last one, Cole Hamels. Where is he? Man, uh, Seattle. Oh, Seattle, not done dealing, but they also don't have any prospects. So who are they sending? Oh, is that just? Oh, that'd be so well, right. sad. Just because it was bad July, they just send nothing to Texas. Oh man. Yeah. I I think Hamels July has been so bad that Seattle has been able to get back in the in the running. I think if Hamels had a good July, Seattle couldn't touch him. They don't have the prospects to do it. But I think you know, the price may have dropped now. But if they want to, if they want to throw in, uh, what's the kid? Is it David? What's the kid's name? Outfielder. He's not even a pitcher. Uh, the, yeah, their only top one hundred prospect. I forgot his name, but it's an outfielder. I know that. Yeah. That, yeah. Um. Well, that's. So, not uh, right. uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, no, it's not. Can we uh quickly touch on the Pirates and the Giants, and then we'll go. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Pirates. They won eleven straight. And then their win streak got snapped. Um, so there's a good piece in Fangraphs today by Craig Edwards. And um, Levi, I'm going to break some news for you. Okay. Uh, when you have the number one WRC plus over a two-week stretch, the number one bullpen FIP, uh-huh. and the number one starter FIP, uh-huh. good things happen. Wow. But Pirates had the number one starter FIP for how long? For yes, two weeks? from July 11th to July 24th. That's- that's bonkers to me. <laughs> like how I just assume it's going to be the Astros every week for this entire season. Cause their rotation is so good. Well, that's what you get that's for crazy. the pirates. That's what you get. <laughs> Listen, I think if history has ever taught us anything for the last few centuries, it's the pirates are not to be trusted. I don't know. How I, you I can just say think that. that's a, they're amazing luck in the wild card game. They're amazing luck in their contention window, their decisions to move on from guys and then somehow stumble into contending for a playoff spot, even though they were trying to blow it up again. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know where you could pull any of that from. I don't, I don't mean like just the, the, the pirates of Pittsburgh. I just mean pirates oh, in general, okay. like not a good idea to trust mm. them. Like, don't, well, Captain don't, Hook, and once upon a time, say one thing. he he turned into a good guy. Like he started off bad. He was. Um, he yeah. did. I didn't see oh, that once one. Once upon a time, that's like one of my well, that, guilty pleasure shows. I've definitely seen every episode. No, that just doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like Peter Pan canon that Captain Hook would become a good guy. I don't. I, he was misunderstood, I'm man. I'm out on that. Peter Pan was as actually most bad guys are, but was, Peter Peter Pan was actually the villain, the guy who refused to grow up and everything else. Um, yeah, no. Peter Pan was actually the villain. You, you, you want to know like the most uh, heartbreaking, this guy that I thought was the hero was actually the villain story in, in my like young life. Okay. No, Nolan Ryan. Oh, Nolan what? Ryan. Yeah. Do Rangers fans listen to yeah, the I mean, show? I don't know I, if we can have this now. Are you going to get kicked off the beat for this take? I Listen, Listen, I grew up in Texas. Nolan Ryan was a hero. He was a legend. He was like 
larger than life. And when he beat up Robin Ventura, I was like, yes, show that young punk what's up. And then as an adult, I read, you know, from many angles and like, he was a bully and he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> like, I think he was the bad oh, guy. No. So, yeah. So maybe that's why I just can't accept it. Like, I can only take one of these things. I can't have Captain Hook being a good guy now. It's just too much. <laughs> it's a lot of change. You didn't know what you're getting into coming on this podcast. But now when you come back, you'll be prepared for any kinds of uh, right. conversation. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I completely derailed the baseball talk with like, I mean, I got back around to well, baseball. Think, I'm no, sorry. I've completely just derailed this entire podcast. That was an organic, uh, I don't even know how to describe that. It was an organic um turn of events that pushed us back that pushed us right back to the Pittsburgh Pirates and um, their amazing run oh I got a segue yeah. for you I have a segue right. for you so Pirates to Captain Hook to Nolan Ryan who was kind of the hero but then we discovered later he's kind of a jerk and I think the next thing you're going to want to talk about is drumroll please Madison Bumgarner oh, I like it okay Madison Bumgarner <laughs> who um has missed at least five weeks this season along with every single veteran on this team. And I'm going to break some more news for you. Are you ready? Okay. When you yeah. stockpile a roster of older players past their prime, they get hurt. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys get unless hurt. Unless it's veterans the Yankees, in which case they have career yes, years. unless you're the Yankees, of course. Yeah. But um, Evan Longoria, Andrew McCutcheon, Madison Bumgarner, Jeff Samarja, um, also, having closers that may or may not have an anger problem, I'm leaning towards uh, may have an anger problem. Uh, obviously, not a great thing. Like That seems like that's something that's not going to last long term. A closer who just loses his mind over little things. I, I don't know. Something about that scares me. Oh, great. Grant Balfour is like the most legendary one of those guys. I, I used to love just watching him stomp around and scream at, at everything. He screamed at the universe just for fun. Well, you saw with John Rocker, it worked out long term for him. Um, losing your mind. Yeah, right. You just see how this works. Um, great news first. Borderline Hall of Famer yeah. John Rocker. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Giants, they're only, I believe right now, I don't have their record in front of me, but I think they're like one or two games above 500. They're four games out of the NL West. Mm-hmm. That's kind of deceiving because I don't think they have the talent that even comes close to the Dodgers, obviously, but even the Diamondbacks who are right there, the Rockets who are right there. So they're kind of pseudo hanging around. Like the Pirates have a 20% chance of making the playoffs according to fan graphs as of right now, but that's actually a big deal because they were at like 2% just like a month ago. So they've changed their form mm-hmm. really quickly and they might be buyers at the deadline. So maybe they'll do something like what if the pirates just said, screw it. We're just going to get like Josh Donaldson or Brian Dozier or something. Like what if they just added another starter from like, what if they traded for Cole Hamels or something? He feels like a future pirate, like the Mike Leake thing. Like who knows? I could see it. Um, let's get nuts. And yeah. uh, you look at the giants and they're still hanging around and the giants are like, Joe Panic when he's healthy, and when Brandon Belt's healthy, when Buster Posey's healthy, when Evan Longoria's healthy, when Brandon Ca- Crawford's healthy. Like, they're a good team. We know that. But then there's this other weird thing where it's like, do they trade Jeff Samarja? Do they trade Madison Bumgarner? And it's, I go back and forth on this, but as of right now, we're recording this on July 25th. If I'm them, because they have the number one salary in baseball this season, which still blows my mind, but I also really appreciate a team that's going for it and still spending especially when they're in a big market and not just joining the third of the league that's decided to tank and screw over veterans who um, should be getting paid right now at the tail end of their careers. So like shout out to them. I appreciate it. Um, but at the same time, like I just, I don't know. I, I, I guess I want them to double down. That's what I want. Go get Clint Frazier. 
They have a terrible farm system. Go get Clint Frazier. Go do something nuts. Right. Just keep adding to this. Yeah, I, I think you know, I read an interesting article on this by Andrew Baggerley, who writes for us uh, and covers the Giants. And he sort of drew the parallels between the 2010 Giants and the, and the 2018 Giants, where they were, you know, how many games back, and they were like fourth place in the wild card or whatever, and then they came back and won the World Series. But he's like, these are not the same teams. This is, this is not the 2010 team that was stacked and honestly just had a really bad first half for all the reasons that you just pointed out, like this is not the same Giants team, but they're not far off. And next year they, I don't know. I don't know. I think they have enough talent right now that could be of use to contenders that they could pull a rebuild and their guys are playing well. Like that's, yeah, Brandon Crawford's good. Texas, Brandon Belt's like, having a career year. Buster Posey's still really good at baseball. Like, yeah, they're they if they right. got one more you starter, could, you could send those yeah, guys. Like, I would Cole Hamels. Let's send him there. Right, right. But I think if they were to instead go ahead and just sell, even though they're close, the fans would hate it. The fans would really hate it this yeah, year. What the fuck are you doing? But man, you if they could sell, sell you right have a now, number one payroll in baseball like this, and their farm system's already a dumpster fire. It's kind of one of those things where, like, I can understand if you're just like a Phillies fan where you're looking at the situation. You're like, Oh God, I, kn- I remember being here. This is like the end of the Ruben Amaro junior era where you're like, Oh, we got our ring. But right. Like this is going to really fucking suck for 10 years. And it did because well, and, that's uh, how the, it yeah, was painful. For yeah. sure. But I'll, I'll make the argument for selling. Like, do you want to wait another two years when Evan Longoria is dead <laughs> and Andrew McCutcheon has like one leg yeah. left and, and Madison Bumgarner suffered another injury. And all of a sudden you're, now you're trying to rebuild from just the well, draft because you're getting because nothing they'll for those guys. Adam Jones uh, in the outfield with McCutcheon, and then they'll have Corey Dickerson somehow inserted into that lineup. And who's another older right. third baseman? Mike Moustakis will be playing good uh, 75 games. Right. You know, they just, they'll just keep adding Band-Aids. I, if I'm the Giants, I keep avoiding right. rebuilding because I really do think once they decide to do it, it's going to be so bad. Like Brian Murphy, shout out to him at McCovey Chronicles. I remember we were talking about this like a year ago on the pod of just like they're kind of screwed mm-hmm. either way because they went for it last year and they won 60 games and they were awful and they just have so much salary anyway and their farm system is so bad that even if they wanted to sell mm-hmm. off like Madison Bumgarner, their best asset, like – I guess other than like Brandon Belt probably or Hunter Strickland, depending on which contender they're dealing with. But like, um, I just, I don't think there's a, that's a good idea at this point. I think you just go for it. I think you just like ride this out, um, and see what happens. Like they drafted, I think a catcher out of t- from Georgia tech to like replace Buster Posey in a couple of years. But, um, I would Joey Barton. Yeah, right. And I thought that was kind of strange considering Posey's still pretty young. So that seems to indicate like maybe he isn't there forever, but like, he's just such a legend in San Francisco. It's hard to see them ever trading him instead of just moving him to first eventually like the Joe Maurer situation. But, um, I don't know, man. Like I just, I think they, they're too committed here. They're, they're in now. Like I want to see the giants just like say, you know what? The Dodgers got Machado. We're getting Brian Dozier and somebody else. I don't know who it is. They just add. And then, they, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a, Sure, that's a commensurate move. Right? <laughs> Hold on, I've like, always that's, said that that's Brian how you Dozier and Machado. Machado are one and the same. Like it, <laughs> it's the ballpark, man. If get him yeah. out of Minnesota I mean, and let's see what really happens. Let's put him in. Uh, let's put him in San Francisco. Sure, sure, sure. Noted, <laughs> noted. Bandbox San Francisco. That'll be <laughs> very beneficial for I don't him. See how sure. We go wrong. Um, 
<laughs> like, can you imagine how awesome your farm system could be though? Like if in 2018 you traded Posey and Bumgarner and Belt and Crawford and Panic and McCutcheon, like if you just cleaned house, can you imagine what your farm system would look like by the end of this year? You could contend the next year. Like you get guys that are close. I think so. You could get. Are we sure they're good at developing young guys? Yeah. Are we sure that you want the Giants to get their hands on a bunch of young players? Like we we're kind of wondering that with the Phillies now, where it's like this rebuild's taking a long time, and like that's the one part of rebuilding that people don't think about enough. I don't think where it's like if you don't have a good like the Yankees don't get enough credit. I know, unbelievable that I'm about to say this sentence, but the Yankees don't get enough credit for their player development. Like there is something to be said about being able to develop a. Severino, develop a Gleyber Torres, develop a Clint Frazier, develop all these sure. guys while also spending. Like, if I'm the Giants, that's what I'm looking at. Like, I just, I'm kind of nervous that they're not an organization that's good at developing young players anyway. And if their identity is tied to just like trading for veterans and putting band aids over all their issues for the next 10 years, if I'm a fan, I'm okay with it because at least they're not going to just make fools of themselves by trying to uh, rebuild through the draft and them not being capable of actually doing that. Like, I just, I, I would be I mean, worried if I was a Giants I, fan of them developing a bunch of young guys. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll bite on, on that. I feel like you've thrown me a softball, okay. but the guys they've developed so far uh, are the guys that I'm talking about. It's, it is Bumgarner and Posey and Belt and Crawford. Like these are Posey and Bumgarner. I think. I think we still need a couple more years before we really know who they are. Players. Yeah. We need a few more, few more years. Let's see what Bumgarner does. So yeah, I do. Then we'll talk. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's see what he's ever done when the when the pressure's on. If people don't understand sarcasm, this is going to be really confusing for them. This whole podcast this is, is going to be so confusing. This is not episode one where they'd be very confused, but I'm a very sarcastic person, so this Great. is um, par for the course. But I think I've overwhelmed you with that level of sarcasm, which um, I do. No, I was, I, I was close. I was close for a moment. I wasn't sure. I'm like, I think he's being serious, but no. No, I, I, I got it eventually. Once I get it, I'm good. <laughs> Again, now you'll know. You'll be ready. So the podcast will will evolve even more next time you're on because you'll be able to match my sarcasm because you're going to come in hot. You're going to know. Oh, I don't. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You don't that. think so? Listen, I'm not going to try and I'm not going to try and outdo the master on this one. I'm just going to I'm going to play my game. I stay within my game. If I get too far outside my game, that's when you make mistakes. <laughs> There's anything I've learned from <laughs> talking to big leaguers and managers for the last three years it's that play your game i mean you literally just called out no control what you can control podcast so i mean you have bigger fish to fry after that this. is, that is true that is true that's a, that's a story podcast, that i want to write so um <laughs> he's gonna unsubscribe now <laughs> he's gonna unsubscribe to your podcast and to the athletic unbelievable it was a double whammy i, I apologize i'm tired of being my, my reputation's been besmirched <laughs> That's, that was a great. Uh, you're gonna lay out on me for my Nolan yeah. Ryan impersonation. That was perfect. He's got these commercials that plays during the the play during the radio uh, broadcast here, and it's like that. That's the Nolan Ryan voice. Everyone, every one of them, he starts with "Ha, huh, I'm Nolan Ryan," <laughs> which is very normal and very <laughs> cool. Yeah, mm. it's a great baseball name. Though. Good old there Alvin, was no Texas way accent. a guy named Nolan Ryan was not going to be just an all time talent. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. He couldn't be just named like Joe Davis no. or something like Nolan Ryan. That's an all-timer. For sure. Joe Montana, John Elway. There's just names where you're like, oh, yeah, yes. this was going to happen. For sure. For sure. Um, 
All right, man. Well, this was great. Levi, I'm really glad we were able to do this today. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you for having me on. Um, happy to do it. Well, we can hopefully neither of us will get in trouble for anything. That oh, I'm, the, I'm fine. It's more of you that I'm concerned about. And uh, <laughs> like you just you unloaded today. You came in hot. I like the takes. This was great. Um, I was not expecting Nolan Ryan fire. Um, yeah. And uh, we learned that Madison Bumgarner and Buster yeah. Posey might actually be good. They, they might have something, though. Keep an Let's eye keep on them. Keep an eye on them. Levi, I appreciate it. We can find you at The Athletic Dallas-Fort Worth, um, where you cover the Rangers. That is correct. So go check out all your great work. Read your piece on DeShields and everything going on there. And then keep up with uh, Shin Su Chu getting traded to the A's and everything else. Um, yeah, man. Uh, we will have to do this again soon. All right. Take Thanks, care. Man. All right, on the line right now, Fish Stripes, Luis Davila. And uh, Luis, are you ready for this Miami Marlins season to be over? No, no. It's, it's, been, very, no, okay. it's been very fun. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, it's been... uh, so why is it fun? They're a terrible team. I mean, you're a, like, are they ahead of the Mets right now in the standings, or is it back down to um, Marlins in last? I haven't checked today, so I'm not sure. Uh, I... But, uh, yeah. I believe they're ahead right now. Um, well, okay. this team didn't have that many expectations, and yeah, they're 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 currently tied, but they have more wins. So, by winning percentage, I guess they're tied. Um, but th- this team has is a very solid team. A lot of, uh, I would say, like slap hitters. Not not too much in the power department after trading Stanton and Ozuna. But it's a team that that gets contribution from the entire lineup, and it's been coming together uh, lately. They've been playing really well in the last ten games. Uh, they've won six of the four, and they're really coming together. It's not it's not a sexy team to watch, but it's definitely a very interesting team. What have you enjoyed most about this season? Um, I would just probably just watching them scrap wins because you're, you're seeing the, the victories come from different departments of the, uh, of the team. Some days it'll be the, the pitching, which ironically uh, was supposed to be really bad, but it's been pretty good. And yeah, the, sometimes it'll be the, the hitters who step up like JT has been amazing all season. Then you got Miggy Rowe, uh, Miguel Rojas playing some elite defense at shortstop and third base. And you got Anderson consistent all year. It's been, it's, it's a, it's a solid team. It just, it lacks that thump and that, that like anchor in the rotation, but it's definitely improved in the sense that there's a, a direction. Now the farm system is looking a little better. It still uh, could use a little more improvement. And we'll see what the Marlins uh, do this deadline to to fix that. What are the chances that Starling Castro sticks around as like the veteran for this young team for like the next couple of years? Is there a chance that he's like the veteran presence that they keep around as they go through this long, painful rebuild? Um, I I think generally the like the sense among everybody there is that the Marlins are going to look to move Castro because of his contract, 
they're they're not looking to pay that. And um, but the with the way the market is looking right now for middle infield, it's more likely that he'll stick around at least through the winter, maybe next season until they can get a nice deal. But it's starting to look like they're gonna try to unload that money. Oh, that's a bummer. I was hoping he'd be like one to stick around. Like it's just, it seems like he's good for a lot of these young guys, and I, I just feel like he doesn't move the needle enough where he could jeopardize uh, their future uh, draft position and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and obviously his uh, connection to Derek Jeter in New York and all that other stuff. But um, I guess we'll see. Uh, is trading? You mentioned Real Muto earlier, and he's the hottest name right now in the Marlins, and. It, it, the Nationals want him, but do the Nationals have the assets to to just acquire someone as good as Romuto? It, it makes sense because the Nationals have gotten next to nothing out of the catcher position this year, and that's an understatement. But uh, do you see Romuto getting moved prior to the deadline, or do you think they keep him long term? Uh, personally, uh, I think he stays at least through the end of this season. I don't. I don't think the Nationals are willing to pay the price for him at this point uh, because of the uncertainty with Harper, but they do have the, the capital to do it. Uh, they'd be willing to, in, uh, to give up Victor Robles in a deal. It, it could get done. I think, I think that would be enough. The Marlins wanted him, but the nationals were reluctant about him uh, being included in a package uh, earlier this spring. I think if they do, make Robles available, he, that, that deal can get done. But I don't think it happens within the next week. And I think the Nationals would want to re-sign Harper before they make a decision like that. Uh, the Marlins also were interested in Soto, uh, Juan Soto. Uh-huh. But at this point, He's too good. They, yeah, they, they would be uh, taking away from the major league team and they would probably like yeah. make it worse in that department. So, yeah, uh, it looks like huh. JT stays. It's interesting, though, because like JT, it seems like he could end up, which is something I don't think any of us saw coming a year ago, uh, getting the Marlins a better haul than Christian Yelich or um, Marcelo Zuna. Like, isn't that kind of crazy that he's probably going to bring in the best return of the three of them? Well, I'm actually a little concerned in that sense um, because the, the, the market hasn't been as hot as I, pers- as I expected it to be. I thought teams uh-huh. would want uh, to go after him a little more, given the the position he plays and the lack of depth there is around the league at that position. So I'm not uh-huh. entirely sure he'll be able to rival the return for Yelich, but he'll definitely pass the return for Ozuna if there's a deal made. And you never know. If, if okay. the Marlins get what they want, the, the deal would be better than the Yelich uh-huh. deal, but it really depends on what happens this winter. How do fans feel about Derek Jeter and this ownership group right now? It got off to a rocky start, to say the least, but how do you and the fan base, how do, what kind of read are you getting on uh, them and their attitude towards Derek Jeter? Well, the, the fan base as a whole, I can tell you, is, doesn't like it right now. I, I, for one, I appreciate what's going on. I think this team had a lot of issues coming in because of the prior ownership and it's been obvious for the last like well basically since Jose passed away that this team needed to reset there's too there's too much lack of depth in the minor league system 
because of the bad contracts, like Wei and Chen's contract. The Brad Ziegler contract wasn't that good. Uh, the Tozawa contract was poor. A lot of bad trades, like the Fernando Rodney trade, uh, the Andrew Kashner trade. So there, it's been rough, especially lately. The draft, draft picks haven't been that great. So there's a lot of lack of depth in, uh, in the minor league system. So there, there needed to be a reset because you can't have a $200 million payroll for an underperforming team and then not have anything to, to fill gaps with. So, and that's fair. And I think it's just too early to write the obituary for this ownership group. And just because of how bad the previous one was that like, I just, it, I, I can understand the, the animosity towards it, especially because they funded this new stadium and uh, just gutting it this quickly. Um, it hurts and training an MVP really hurts and getting back what they got back. Um, we'll see, but uh, I, I don't know. I think it's still, we, we're not gonna be able to judge any of this stuff until like five years down the line anyway, but it is interesting to see how this all works. And I'm, I'm not writing off Jeter in this ownership group yet. I still think two things can be true. One, what they did was kind of shitty. And two, um, they could do really good things and build something special five years from now. I think both things can be true. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, there, there were a few headlines that got out there early, uh, like uh, firing Conine and other Marlins and that scout that was sick. And that definitely didn't make the, the ownership group look that great. But baseball decision-wise, everything they did was appropriate to what they had in terms of payroll and their farm system. And it's definitely it's encouraging that they're playing as well as they are right now. Everybody thought this team would lose at least 100 games, and they probably won't unless some big deals get made. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. Do you believe in Blake Anderson as a legit everyday player in this league? Because I think he's got a WRC plus right now that hovers around league average, but it does seem like he might be a thing. I just, I'm not certain about him yet. What do you think? Yeah. um, I mean, right now, I don't think he's like in like a, maybe in a deep fantasy league, he'll be somebody that like national people will look at right now, but he's definitely a player. I think will, he, he's not going to be one of those players that are going to be amazing in the sense that like they'll be on MLB's page every day, but I think he'll be a consistent player for this team for a long time. He, in, in, in his rookie season, he's actually showing the ability to make adjustments like very quickly. He's always making contact. So he doesn't strike out that much. And I think, and this, this will surprise a lot of people. And it's a, it's a tough comparison to make because Yelich's swing was so nice. But I think Yelich and uh, Brian Anderson have very uh, big similarities, especially during the rookie season. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So Yelich, his biggest problem has always been that he, he has the power and it looks like he could lift the ball. But his issue is that he hit too many ground balls. And that's why he's playing better this year. He, he's starting to buy more into the launch angle thing. And right now, that's Brian Anderson's issue. He makes plenty of contact. And I think I've, from watching some of his BP, he, you can tell he has power to all fields. And once he starts lifting that baseball, he's probably going to be a 25 homer guy. I, I see that in him. And the fact that his floor okay. is already so high since he makes so much contact, I think that he's going to be yeah. a special player. Okay. Yeah. So kind of like a Brandon Nemo type where it's like he made an adjustment to the launch angle and everything else where it's, he might come out of nowhere and surprise people in a year or two. 
as a, a much better player than even he is right now. And it's at the very least an average player. Yeah. He, I like it. He's always snuck around in the prospect rankings. And I think that's large case is that his, his name is so generic. I mean, Brian Anderson, I think that's why he hasn't gotten too much attention as a minor leaguer and as a major leaguer right now. But like, I mean, you can also consider this season he's played third base. And then when Martin Prado returned from injury, he moved to right field and he hadn't played right field since college. And he's been fantastic right fielder. And it's with the arm he has, it looks like he'll play up there a bit better. And the defensive flexibility is amazing because he's also played second base and first base in his professional career. So you, you're, you're talking about a guy who will probably hit 280 like safely every year and then probably provide some power. And you can pretty much slot him almost everywhere in the infield except shortstop and put him in right field if you have to. Am I crazy for thinking Jose Urena is actually good and that if he was pitching for like the Dodgers or the Cubs that a lot of people would like him and he'd be like a solid number two, number three guy? Uh, I don't think you're crazy because I'm among one of the few people who watch the Marlins and think that a lot, a lot of Marlins fans don't appreciate what he does so far. And I'm not going to blame entirely like his poor performance on the run support. I think he can win a few more games if he had more run support, but He's still he bidding over like nine at one point. I feel like, yeah, I, I think it was around there. Was he zero and nine at one point this season? It was something like that, insane. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, it, it hasn't been great run support wise for him this year. But his ERA, no. I think it's like four point something. He hasn't been stellar, but I just think there's a discrepancy between like the lineup. It's not like Jacob Degrom level, just nonsense. But it is pretty bad. I um I think Arania has so much more in the tank. That's the thing. I If I'm the Marlins, I would hold on to him because I would view him as a prospect. At this, um, He's throwing uh, up to 98 miles an hour, I believe. He hits 97 pretty consistently with a fastball with a lot of run. He's got one of the best change-ups in Major League Baseball, if you look at the quality of pitch rankings. And I think his slider is the only pitch he has that's kind of subpar. But the problem with his fastball is that he he's like there's days where he's just spotting it like just getting it right there uh, lower uh, outside quadrant and he's staying safe from but when he when he leaves it up in the zone then he misses that's when he pays so you'll see days where he's just pitching five innings shutout ball and then the next inning comes out he just gets destroyed for like four or five runs and I, I think if he finds consistency with his fastball and he's able to keep it low, he'll be a really special pitcher. Can I offer you Lucas Sims and Ryan Flaherty for Jose Urena? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think the Marlins. <laughs> I think the Marlins hold on to him at least. At least if he keeps improving, because he's gotten better every year, and that's really encouraging. Last thing, and then we'll go. Um, are you at all worried about Lewis Brinson? And what did you make of? the get Lewis to the all-star game campaign. Did you feel like it was, it was kind of in bad faith? Did you feel like you're kind of uncomfortable with like rooting for this guy who's obviously struggling this year into the all-star game? Like where were you at with Lewis Brinson's all-star campaign? And then uh, the kind of season that he's had this year? Well, the the campaign was, I, I, I didn't like it. I, I thought it was unnecessary. He's a, he's a really good kid from everybody I've heard from. And from seeing him in the clubhouse, he's just a he's he's a really nice guy, and I I don't think he he got it the same way everybody else did, but 
it was it was unnecessary. Uh, he replied to it very nicely too. Like he, I think he uh, made a post either on Instagram or Twitter trying trying to say that they should vote for Real Muto and Castro instead. But uh, yeah, like obviously he's struggling in his first uh, like whole big league season, and he, I I think a lot of people are discouraged with the performance so far, and I don't blame them. I mean it, it's it's not looking that good right now, but you could still see the potential in it. He still has like I believe ten home runs right now. He he has his his swing's a little long, so he strikes out a lot. But he's making adjustments. Before he got hurt, he he had a really good uh, stretch where he was hitting above like I think two eighty. He was able to lift his batting average from about one fifty five up to almost two uh, one ninety. So while the numbers aren't that great, you just want to see him improve as the season continues, and then hopefully when he gets back from his injury he'll be able to make more of an impact. All right. Uh, Luis, this was great. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast tonight. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me on. All right. No problem. I just, I would like the Starling Castro bobblehead with the chain and the sunglasses. If you're able to get the mons to create that, I would like for you to send me one of those. All right. Yeah, I'll definitely, really I'm cool. pushing yeah. for that. I, I love Castro. <laughs> yeah. He's good. I like him. Yeah. Um, well, we can find you on Twitter at Luis R. Davi. We can read you at fishstripes.com. Is there anything you have out this week that we should all check out? Uh, no, just, uh, well, I mean, I recommend that people start following the Marlins a little more. Uh, there, there's a lot of gems in, in that team that people have been ignoring for a bit. And I think they'll, they'll be pleasantly surprised when they see what's going on in there. All right. Just change the uniforms. Get rid of the uh, the color scheme go back to the florida marlins color scheme do all that get pinstripes back do everything else and then uh, the marlins will be okay yeah and get get rid of the sculpture bring the fences in a little bit and we're good <laughs> i like it yeah yeah there you go all right man i appreciate it all right see you man All right, on the line right now, Chris Brockman of the fantastic Rich Eisen Show, which I didn't realize I've been listening to as long as I have until this week when uh, Chris was going to come on the show. And I'm just going back and I'm like, oh my God, one of my earliest memories of listening to the podcast was when I was rolling silverware in the back room of a Chili's years ago. And uh, he was talking about... I love Chili's. Yeah, love Chili's. I'm right there with you. I'm a big Chili's guy. And uh, I will not feel... like So two of my favorite things are Chili's and Coors Light. So um, like, it's, I'm very easy to please. And it's uh, I have a very... They don't have life. any Chili's in, in, in Los Angeles. Really? Can you believe that? There's no Chili's. How is that around. possible? Yeah, you have to, you have to re- either go like really into Orange County or there might be some in the Valley, but in like you know, Los Angeles, uh-huh. there's no chilies anywhere. It's terrible because sometimes all I want is a big mouth burger. I want anything. There's literally nothing bad on the chilies menu. If you tell me you cannot find something to enjoy on the chilies menu, you're a liar because whether or not it's like fine you're dining, out. but there's something for everybody and it's great. So chilies, if you want to be the presenting sponsor <laughs> of the Chase Thomas podcast, I am here waiting. I mean, you're right behind Coors Light because there's still not I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Coors Light and Chili's. If you want to sponsor Chris Brockman Chili's, like, <laughs> give me a call. Like, hit me up uh, if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. I'll be like a NASCAR driver. I'll wear Chili's 
all over my black t-shirts because that's all I wear. Oh, for sure. I'm right there with you. You can do the chili stuff. I'll do the Coors Light stuff. So we'll I'll at them both their social media stuff when I post this, and we'll see what happens. Maybe we just uh, formed a new I think we're on. I think we're on to something, I think Chavis. so. <laughs> I think we're on to something. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was rolling silverware, and I was listening to Rich interview Sam Bradford when he was with the Rams and just, like, going okay. through all the injury stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, I've been listening to Chris Law Chris Brockman and Rich Eisen for years now. Like I didn't realize it'd been this long, but it's uh it's been a thing and you've been a mainstay and it's been it's been great. So first off, thank you for producing awesome stuff for the last eight years and entertaining me. You're welcome. Thank you. That's a long time. You know, I joined up the, with the podcast. We were actually talking about this today because uh we post taped uh Henry Cavill who's in the new Mission Impossible movie. Of course, he's Superman. Uh, we don't we talk about his Superman that... appearance. We don't have to talk about DC movies. Oh, you, oh just... we, don't, we don't count him as Superman? No, I, we I don't. We don't count him as Superman? No. Oh. No, Dean Cain is, is your my official Superman. Superman ranking? No, I'm just kidding. Dean Cain is your <laughs> Superman. Okay, that's totally fine. Lois <laughs> Lane, they're, uh, Terry Hatcher, they're real and they're spectacular. Yeah, she's my Lois Lane. And so we were post-taping Henry Cavill today, and Rich was talking about, you know, obviously he's a very handsome man. Mm-hmm. Rich, and uh, Rich was talking about it. Uh, Rich, yeah, obviously. And he was talking about how it was going to be a tough two shot. You know, when you take the two shot, you split screen it, and you got Henry Cavill on one side, and you got 49 year old bald <laughs> guy on the other side. Yeah. Like, that's a tough two shot. And Rich, we were saying that was probably the toughest two shot since uh, Rich interviewed Tom Brady for the podcast back mm-hmm. in 2011 which was the first episode I worked on for the Rich Eisen podcast mm. back in the day. Tom Brady, Rich did this event uh, at New England. He hosted uh, a charity thing that the Patriots were doing. Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft had asked him to do it. And Rich was up there in exchange. He got, you know, eight minutes with Tom Brady. And uh, it was a tough two shot. And Rich was like, yeah, that's probably, probably the toughest two shot since Tom Brady. Back in 2011, it's crazy to think it's been seven years like he and I have been doing this together. Were you nervous talking to Tom Brady? Because obviously, if the listeners do not know, you are a Pats fan. Well, here's the thing. I am a a Pats fan, big time, but I I was not there. So I actually have never met Tom Brady. And uh, Tom Brady's up there with Michael Jordan as my favorite athletes of all time. And uh, I think at this point, I don't want to ever meet Tom Brady. Okay. Just like I don't want to ever meet Michael Jordan because I don't want – I mean, I'm sure they're great guys, you know, but you hear stories about everyone. But I, I don't want that experience – I don't know. I've built them up in my mind so much mm-hmm. based solely on what I've seen them do on the field and on the court. I don't know. I just don't want it to go down even if it's just a teeny tiny notch. Yeah. Like if they're an 11 in my mind, I don't even want them to be taken down to a 10. Like I want them – to stay, you know, you know, as high up as I, as I hold, I don't know. It sounds great. I guess that's just still like the kid in me, you know, like, well, I think it's just, I'm it, still a fan when I watch these guys play. And yeah. so I, I just want to forever feel that way. Well, I think that's just human nature in general. I think, uh, Will each has written about this a lot. Um, in one of his books, I think it was God Save the fan, but basically I agree with this premise of like, it's just been, be- it was better when we knew less about our athletes. Like there is this new generation where it's like, they have their own podcast like you had today like i was listening to cj mccollum interview kevin durant on his podcast like that's a thing yeah that was that was 
that was absolutely savage. It was great. What the Red did to CJ McCollum. Yeah, I mean, it's a great thing. But there's a flip side to this, which is like there's so much access, and I feel like I know Kevin Durant's personality and who he really is as a person. And like, it's weird. It's good in some ways, but it's also like they're like going back to your stuff where it's like we're going to find some stuff that we don't want and if it's it's going to be somebody's favorite athlete that finds out something a little too much because everybody has like their their skeletons in their closet and like the more you know about certain athletes the more likely you are to like just i mean louis ck is a great example of this of like just comedians that we've like in the last year that have just been destroyed and like everything else and you have to contemplate like how do you feel about all of this and it's such a complicated difficult subject to even grasp with that like um, it's, I, I agree with you in that, like meeting your heroes and finding out they're not who they always appear to be. Um, it, it might not go yeah, well. I think about this. A, I think about this a lot in terms of like guys from the old days, you know? So like Michael Jordan, I think I was listening to Dan Levitard was talking about this yesterday. Like, how do you think Michael Jordan would have done in the age of Twitter? You talk about a guy who like, you know, was running around town gambling like all kinds of secret stuff about him the golf the golfing um uh just savage like competitor we we get on kevin durant for having a burner account and going after trolls with his egg avatar michael jordan would might might have had like six burner accounts like going after people and like mickey mantle and all those guys back in the day and uh i just i just wonder like the access that we get and the access certain certain athletes give us is awesome. Mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, guys have their own podcast. Guys have, you know, LeBron started an entire company just for this, yep. you know, uh, to let these athletes have their own voice and tell us their own stories. And it's and good. So in a it's way, compelling. Like, it's of interesting. Course, I-, I love that. Yeah. I love that. You're right. It's very compelling. These guys are doing very interesting stuff. Look at Derek Jeter you know, started the Players' Tribune. You know, these guys work with writers to help them tell their own stories, and that's amazing. Like, we've learned a lot. Like, the Steve Francis Players' Tribune is one of the greatest things I've ever read. And so, you know, you get David Ortiz out there. You get Gordon Hayward, these guys, telling their own stories. Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, opening up about their mental health issues. That's amazing, and that's important uh, in today's day and age. So in that, that aspect, it's awesome. I love that these guys are letting us see more of themselves uh, than uh, than they, we used to. You know, coaches and players get up there, kind of like New England, the Patriots. It's really boring. Like Tom Brady gets up there and he's a robot, you know. And Bill Belichick, you know, gets after it with these reporters and he just shuts them all down. And then you see something like the NFL films that Bill Belichick did a few years ago, and you realize he's hilarious. You know, he's a he's a guy who goes fishing all the time mm-hmm. and. He's very, he's very charitable. And then Tom Brady does his Tom versus time on Facebook watch. And it was amazing. It was just 15 minute episodes, but man, I could have watched hours of that because you got a guy who's the most elite player at his position and his sport. And he's never given anyone this type of access. And you see the struggle that he's going through as he's, nearing the end of his career and it was just something you've never seen before and it's fascinating so that aspect of it is awesome and man it is tough though because there's so much content so it's like some of these guys you know i don't need to see draymond green's junk on snapchat you know what i mean yeah 
I, I don't like, think I'm here, I'm here yeah. for the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm here for the good stuff. And like, but you when can't it's have good just the good stuff. Well That's done. part of the deal. It's like, you're going to get a lot of bad. You're and gonna you're get right. Careers it's right. part of the like, deal. Just, you're going to have D'Angelo Russell situations where he like, right. it, it literally changed his whole career. If he plays in the nineties, he doesn't go down this. Like, it's just amazing. Just the, the right. just the victims of circumstance. Well, and, I mean, just, just think about the Shaq and Kobe thing. Yeah. Like think about Kobe, Eagle, Colorado, like all of that going down. I wonder if that changes his whole, his whole career, his whole legacy. What people think about him, if that happens now. Yeah. Uh, I just think know, Michael in, in goes today's kind of kind of gotcha culture too. Yeah, I think if Kobe Michael's and Michael like those kind of personalities, yeah. I feel like not, they wouldn't have burner accounts or anything. I think they'd go the other way, where it's like you'd never see them out in public, and they would just be hidden altogether. Like it was just one of those things where they just isolate themselves so much that you're just like you. I have no idea anything about this person. There's just always rumors out there. Like you're yeah. like, how are they able to stay? I in wonder. There? Yeah, like, yeah, like Derek Jeter too, kind yeah. of like in a way, like. Derek Jeter's a god because he dated all these famous, beautiful women. But you never saw but him out. I wonder if never saw him out. He never was photographed with any of them. You just kind of like heard the stories, and so that kind of makes the legend grow. But I guess yeah, in 2018, where everyone has a supercomputer in their pocket with cameras, and videos. Yeah, I guess maybe we just it had a weird story on Jimmy Garoppolo it, and him dating a porn star. Like that's a thing that doesn't happen. Oh two my years god! Ago. Like. No, it doesn't. It maybe doesn't even happen five years yeah. ago, which is even more crazy. And so, yeah, I don't know, man. Of course, I don't envy these guys because, like, yeah, we're just looking to take people down uh, and instead of build them up. And I'm not here for that. I'm not here for um, the taking down of people. And they also pretend to and care. It's, it's tough. People who are upset about it don't actually care what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing with his personal life. Nobody cares. No, because it doesn't affect no. them one bit. It doesn't affect them one bit. Unless you literally are owning, owner, like Jed York or 49ers management, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, those are probably only the three people. And maybe his teammates. Those are the only people who that affect. Yep. Like, uh, like all these people just pretending to be outraged. What is your problem? Right? The faux outrage culture that exists today is really tough, really, really disappointing. And I'm not here for that. I'm right there with you. Um, so prior to joining the Rich Eisen show, so you were a really good sports writer. You did the sports writing thing. Like I, it, I did. Why did you leave? You were good at it. Oh, you know, it's one of, thanks. Appreciate it. First off, I appreciate you saying that I was good at it. Um, it was something I really enjoyed. And when I graduated college, uh, and was first trying to get into sports, um, I didn't want to do. I was trying to get into TV because that's what I had done in college at Syracuse. And, um, and then after, you know, more than a year of not being able to find anything, uh, a newspaper opportunity came up and I just bit the bullet and said, I got to do this if I want to have a career in sports, which is what I always wanted in my whole life. And so I did it. It was a very small paper in Maine. It was actually the, the hometown paper that covered me when I was in high school playing sports. And so, uh, I was able to get in there, kind of learn. I had a couple of good mentors there and, um, a lot of the coaches and athletic directors remembered me from when I played. So I was able to get, get a lot of access and like kind of ease my way into it. And then after a while, I kind of found my own voice and I like kind of thought that I was pretty decent at it. And I really enjoyed writing. I started doing movie reviews just on a whim because I 
the new management took over and I just asked them, I was like, Hey, can I write movie reviews? And I'm like, sure. So it was also an excuse to like go to the movies for free mm-hmm. <laughs> on a, like a Wednesday afternoon. I miss those days. Um, so I that was great in high school. Uh, oh, it's the best. Oh, uh, it was great. And it got to a point where the people at the movie theater knew who I was mm. and they're like, Hey, what are you seeing today? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to, uh, what was that Jennifer Hudson movie? She won the Oscar for Jennifer Hudson won an Oscar. I don't remember this at Jennifer all. Jennifer Hudson did win an Oscar. Didn't win an Oscar. It was like a singing movie with like Eddie Murphy was in. It was kind of a comeback. Anyway, never... something you wouldn't expect uh-huh. a twenty-five-year-old dude to be going to by himself. Dreamgirls. I would go to all these movies. Dreamgirls. That's it. Okay. And so I, I would be sometimes in the movie theater by myself on like a Wednesday matinee before I had to go cover girls' tennis. Oh, that's amazing. That's the best time soccer. to go to a movie. Nobody's there. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. So I had a great time doing that in Maine. Uh, and then after five years, um, it was just time to do something else. And I was kind of getting sick of my situation where I was. I felt pretty stagnant. And uh, opportunity came up to move across the country and work at NFL Network. And uh, it was only a temporary position when I took it. And so that was a big risk. But I had a lot of friends out here from college who were already in the business uh, on the sports side and on the entertainment side. So it was kind of an easy move with a good support system. And, uh, luckily everything kind of, kind of worked out as it did. I've been very fortunate. Um, you know, you make your own luck, but I was in the right place at the right time for a lot of different things. And that kind of led me to, to where we're at today. But there was a little part of you that wish you ended up with Dan Patrick, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I will say this. Uh, no, but I will say that uh, Dan is one of my one of the guys who I looked up to when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, I lived I lived in Alaska uh, when I was younger, and so you know, four hour time difference. So I would be able to watch the big show with Dan and Keith at seven o'clock, because uh, you know, eleven o'clock on the East Coast, and so it's seven in Alaska, and so I was able to watch that. Uh-huh. You know, during the big during the big years, during like 1990, 91, 92, mm-hmm. uh, when those guys were at the height of their powers. Yeah. And um, that had a huge influence on me, man. Like Dan Patrick is one of the guys like give me Chris Berman, like why I'm in this, yeah. why I wanted to do this. And so uh, to get to know Dan now over the last four years and uh, for him to actually know my name, I think is pretty hilarious. Like, if you, you tell 10-year-old me, like, hey, you know, this guy who you're watching and looking up to and, you know, with the whiff and in fuego and all that stuff, like, that's pretty cool, you know? It's pretty cool. I think uh, I think 10-year-old me would be pretty proud of myself right now. Like, they, you did it, you stuck with it, and you're having some, some success, and most importantly, just having fun. Yeah. Like, that's why we're doing this. Like, Rich does it all the time, and he's so dead on. Like, sports are the toy department. and when you ever, when yeah. we were kids and we went shopping, the first place we went was the toy department because it's the most fun. And that's why we're doing this, you know. Um, big ups to everyone who does actual real news and real journalism because, like, that's so important today now more than ever. But we're just having fun. Well, hold and that's on. what I've wanted I don't know to do my whole life. So I'm thankful than, for doing uh, it. Covering what Jimmy Garoppolo is doing with his dating life. I'm not sure <laughs> those are one and the same. I think uh, let's give that a little bit more. I credence. think that's a. I think that's a great point. Hold on, I'll, I'll, let's back that yeah. up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, what is Jimmy Garoppolo doing? Like, I'm I'm into it, but I'm also the guy like 
I love him. I was hoping he'd be the Pats quarterback for the next 15 years after Brady was done. And cause I could just see how awesome he was. And I was, I, I boasted the whole off season. I was going to take him in the first round of fantasy just because to just say F it. Yeah. Like I'm just going to ride a ride or die with Jimmy G. Cause I, I think he could throw for like 35 touchdowns this year. Oh yeah. And you, you can't be hanging out with, he can do whatever man. he wants. Like, He's Jimmy Garoppolo. He hasn't lost an NFL game yeah, yet. I know he can, but like, but like, don't get photographed doing it. I like his <laughs> you know? confidence. He knew he was getting photographed. If you watch that video, like he knew everything was going on. He was he was great. Love Jimmy G. That guy is comfortable in his own skin. I'm okay with it. Did I hear something? Did that uh, that that girl? She won an auction. She won like a. a she won a prize pack, and it was like a date with Jimmy Garoppolo. Wait, Did I hear why? that right, or am I oh, making that up? I have no idea. I didn't know this development. See, this is the hard-hitting news. We never know where it's going to go. This is what matters. Yeah, matters. I don't know. I don't know where that came from either. I, I might just be making that up, but I thought I heard someone say that that like she won, and that's why they went out once. Like it's not like a thing. Like they're not an item. She just won at, like a charity thing, and like it was like a date with Jimmy Garoppolo. Which, by the way, I didn't know existed, or I would have bet. An easy five figures up on that for myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is all of the stuff that matters in today's world, by the way. Jimmy G. You're Jimmy right. G. Watch. It's right. a fun time. So anyway, to get back to your original uh, question, <laughs> I, do, I do miss writing. Like, I do miss it. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's something that I really enjoyed. And I, you know, obviously I have opinions. So it's fun to kind of get those down. Um, I do like to write, you know, TV essays every now and then, like I did it for NFL Network when I was there, but it's tough to kind of get everything across in something that needs to be 60 seconds for television. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like that part was super fun doing it. I, I did have my own website for a little bit that I would try to update now and then, mm-hmm. but Bring it uh, back. I don't know. If, I don't know if you, I don't know if you found it in your research, but I did not. There's, there's not a lot of new content, not a lot of new content on there. Okay. I did. I did power rankings for a while. I did. Um, I, my favorite thing to do was like uh, the Bill Simmons uh, running diary. Uh-huh. So I used to love doing that for the NFL draft That's before I started going to it. I've tried to do I would, that. I, I would sit do, around I can't and watch write like that. I'm not a diary person. I can't oh, do that kind of so stuff. So fun. Yeah. So fun. Okay. I would sit down with a buddy or two and we would just kind of yuck it up watching the NFL draft. So this is being like a four hour piece, like 15,000 words. But it's like, it was a lot of fun to go back and kind of like reread some of that stuff. I guess I'm a narcissist in that way, where it's like I like to go reread my old my old stuff. That's not like, narcissistic. Oh man, that, no. that was actually pretty good. Like that was pretty. Good. I should start doing that again. So I have, uh, you know, toyed with kind of bringing the bringing the old website back, but I'm definitely going to try to do more more essay style stuff from the show this coming football season. So you can look forward to that, I guess. Well, I know you were looking for this, and um, I'm giving you my blessing to bring it back. Thank you. Thank you, Chase. I, w- I was looking for your, but I didn't know that I needed you mm-hmm. until this moment, mm-hmm. but I need you mm-hmm. and I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you support this. So I think I'm going to start, I'm going I'm to bring some of it back slowly but surely. I think this is the start of a beautiful long-term friendship, Chris. <laughs> it started with Chili's. I think you might be. It started with. It, start, it definitely started with Chili's. Uh-huh. It definitely, how long did you work at Chili's? Uh, two months. That's it? Oh yeah. There's a bigger story uh, here. I'm debating affair. whether or not I'm going to go into details with this, but um, Chili, yeah. Chili, Chili's is your Chili's is your porn star. <laughs> You're Jimmy Garoppolo. It was just a brief affair. 
I've had a lot of jobs. I think I've had like 27, 28 jobs in my lifetime. Really? Yeah. That is bananas because I probably think I've had like five. I just had like a lot of them were in college and high school and everything else where just I, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of jobs. Yeah. Wait, what was your first job? Uh, the movie theater. My, mine was, okay, the movie theater. Mine was in an amusement park. Okay. Well, my first actual like had to pay taxes job. I did a lot of farm work. Like All right, be careful early in this. high school. The IRS with, is always listening. So. With a friend of mine from home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. So I did some, uh, I did some gratis farm work. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, like picking, picking corn, cucumbers, like uh, baling hay. I did a lot of that like in high school baling and hay then going into my senior in year. Northeast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in North- Maine. Okay. Well, in Maine. Yeah. In Maine. Yeah. Maine. Baling hay. There's hay in my, Maine? Fr- my friend who I did it with. Okay. Oh yeah. Hay fields everywhere. Hay fields, corn fields. And so my friend still does it. And so him and I, I used to do it with him. Um, his family owned a tunnel land and he like family friends let him hay the land. And so we, I did that in high school and even like through college, I would still help him out. And then he still does it. But my first like IRS job was at the this amusement park going into my senior year of high school. Uh-huh. I made four seventy five an hour. Okay. That's awful. Gas was eighty five cents. <laughs> and this, this was it was also was it was basically losing money just going and going to work and back. Oh my god, it was terrible. Yeah. I drove a Volkswagen golf. Mm. It was nineteen ninety seven. Uh, the big uh, big song on the radio was uh, the Men in Black song by Will Smith. <laughs> oh my God, what a time! Wow, I'm old. Yeah, what a time! What a time! Yeah, what a time! That was the time where I think I had Smash Mouth on CD. I think what oh, else yeah. did I have? Yep. Three Doors Down. Kryptonite was very big. Um, Three Doors Down, yeah, that was big. The Offspring was like one of my first CDs that I got that I was really excited about. Okay, yeah. Um, so you're twenty seven jobs? That's crazy. Yeah, a lot. I've had a lot, man. Was it just like the two month deals? You were just yeah. like in some place and like, eh, I'm over, I'm over it. But it's weird because I had like one job off and on for like four years. I just I've had a lot of jobs, man. It, it really is. Like it's one of those where I, I don't know if it's like uh, I get bored with it or I'm it's like, eh, I don't do this anymore. I, that's the thing is like my career jobs I could be at for forty years, but like the jobs where it's like you right. It's like what am I missing here? Why am I still here? What's the worst job you ever had? Oh, uh, pool cleaning one summer. Because I had to ride around with someone that I did not like all day long. And oh, okay. he like, was actually awful and listened to awful talk radio all day and had some very um, not woke opinions. And uh, I did not <laughs> have a podcast at the time. This was like five six years ago so they weren't super huge at this time so i was listening to like mike and mike in the morning right at this point um so okay. it's like six o'clock in the morning we get started and that was like the only thing on so i'd be listening to that trying to and um it was just it, it was it was awful and it was all day it was hot it was just i, I hated it yeah it's probably that that sounds terrible that sounds terrible all right well those are in the past right yeah on a bigger and better things chase I, I mean i would think so yeah i mean we have a new partnership i'm about to partner up with course light like you're about to por- partner up with chilies it's just everything is booming right now 2018 is our year Chris. that's what i'm saying we're like antonio brown business is booming yeah. baby unless you're julio jones where it's like people are turning on you and you have um grown men uh talking about their child changing their screensaver uh, away from you to uh just matt ryan by the way i i i, I saw that okay. what is that guy doing i don't know like what is, who, 
is he thinking he's gonna like that's gonna be the backbreaking tweet for Julio Jones? Like he's gonna shame Julio Jones. My son changed the background on his. I love you called it a screensaver today. too. <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. Yeah. How how dare you, Julio Jones? My son. I just don't doesn't want don't to look it. at you when his computer goes to sleep. <laughs> it's so weird. People have lost their minds with this stuff. And just it's because I think a lot of it is that we have nothing else to talk about. Like it's so boring right now. It's not like the NBA where it's just yeah. it, it does feel like there's something always going on. They've had Kawhi all summer to talk about. But like the NFL has just been dead. I don't know if people have been listening to the Around the NFL podcast, one of my favorites. Shout out to Mark Zessler. But nothing's going on like yeah, those just, guys are great there's nothing to do there's nothing to talk about really and you're having to really scrape the bottom of the barrel and what people are doing i feel like is just taking the side of like ownership with all this stuff which is still really weird to me of just like oh yeah let's so get mad. bizarre it's so bizarre now to is apparently let's the side with the let's side with the billionaires like really what other line of work do if the i hear average he signed the contract and the he average knew the Joe. issue I was like, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I can't. He's out of guaranteed money. He wants more guaranteed money. He's 29 th- years old. He's at the back end of his prime. He wants more guaranteed money because he knows if he gets injured that like they could just move on. Like There's no loyalty in sports and getting mad at any, especially a football player when their shelf life is so short anyway, that them not doing yeah. everything they can to get as much money as humanly possible for his family and for the rest of his life now, like it's just, it's bizarre and it's um it's wrong i think it's just it makes me uncomfortable just seeing people attack him for that and uh i don't like people like it's just all of it just is very stupid to me and it drives me nuts and uh i think i'm gonna i think i'm done with twitter for yeah. the week until the julio stuff ends i, I don't think i could take anymore oh. man the most refreshing thing you can do is take a week off from twitter yeah. it's amazing i did it while i was on vacation uh two weeks ago and it was tremendous okay did you bring it back though it just clears the clears the mind i mean i'm back i'm back just because like i need it now you know for work and and whatnot but i'm interacting a little bit less but it's just like oh just clears the mind clears the soul it's good and nice nice to do a little cleanse every now and then i also did like a mass purging i like uh i try to keep my followers my my following under a thousand Mm -hmm. and so i did a nice little like 40 like a 40 person cleanse like a few months ago, and that was that was refreshing. Yeah, too. no, I didn't make the good. cut. I was really upset about it. I almost rescinded the invite to this podcast for it. <laughs> I'll have to go. To, I'll go. I'll have to go back through. Now that we're friends and we're partner, we're business partners. I was going to say we're pretty like think, uh, deep into this now. For you not to be following me on Twitter anymore, like that's. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to say anything and make it awkward, but I was kind of. I was just a little put off, Chris. I was a little put off. No, it's okay. Uh, no, I t- totally understand. Totally understand. And uh, as soon as we're done. You're getting the you're getting the follow. Oh, Boom! What a day! What a day, Chris! All right, the partnership Boom. is back on. Boom! We're back. We're back. We're back. Were you about to ask me something? I I heard a so, or were you just like uh, this? Mm, yeah. I think I think it was just the end of my we're back. Okay, there you. <laughs> and I'm like yeah. I'm like fist pumping alone, and like Sarah's dog is like funny. And so it's just like we're back. I've never ma- I've never mastered the segue, so I always appreciate people that are really good at the natural, organic segue. It's not <laughs> yeah, my thing. I will say, watching Rich watching Rich do that every single day, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Like he's really he's really good at he's it. He's amazing at it. I I just there's a lot of radio guys are just really just good like, at it. Yeah, I mean it's totally okay though to just be like, all right, hard turn. Yeah. Uh, talk about this. 
And you're like, all right, well, all right, we're just going to do that. I don't care. I just have ADD where it's just like one of those things where it's like, if my mind goes somewhere else, we're moving to that other thing. Like, it's just, unfortunately, it's going to yeah, be Yeah, and like, or if something comes up in the conversation where it's just like, oh, man, animal crackers, what's your favorite dessert? Go. <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, where'd that come from? Exactly. Because well, I, I, I just know, feel like I'm going to forget it if I don't get it a bag of animal now. crackers on my table. Yeah, like, you got to get it out. Right. You got. I just. I'm not good. Yeah, you got to get it out now. Um, because if you hold it in, you think you're gonna remember, then you forget, and then you, it's over, and you're like, oh, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. I think there's two types of podcast hosts or radio hosts where it's like the ones that let it go on too long, and then they forget their point, and then it's just an awkward pause for like five seconds, and they regroup. Or the person <laughs> that interjects like every 17 words. There's no happy medium. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for a conversation. I don't, like, that's what I do miss about the old podcast that we did, the old show. Mm. Um, we could talk for 90 minutes with Vince Gilligan about Breaking Bad. I listened and, like, to that episode. Not have to, ta- not have to take a six-minute break, you know, yeah. at the 20-minute mark, and then take another six-minute break at 42. And it's like, we can just go straight and get all of our fanboy questions out. Yeah, you had that And he's David, happy to right? just sit there. Yeah, Larry David, same way. Like, we could just get this done and make it happen. Whereas, like, hold on a second. We have to pay some bills. It's magic. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that was the episode I mean, right I where Larry right. David, like, wanted to be the offensive coordinator, I think, for the Jets. Didn't that happen on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was on the old show, too. Yeah, he wanted to be the. He was like, like if I could write stories, why can't I write a play? <laughs> and we're like, actually, that's a really good point. Yeah. And the Jets are terrible. So probably can do better than them mm-hmm. how like oh, speaking did. of the jets how high is rich and larry on uh, sam donald and the jets right now oh man i remember we were at the draft and like rich is doing the broadcast and i'm like on the floor after he you know you could just see it happening once the once the browns took baker mayfield you're like, oh my gosh, Sam Darnold is going to go to the Jets here because there's no way the Giants aren't taking Saquon Barkley. And man, he was so happy. Those guys are so pumped. Sam Darnold's going to be a rock star. You think so? There's, there's no doubt about it. I do. And I think he's in a good situation because you got a veteran in Josh McCown who <laughs> may be the greatest guy in the NFL. Like, he wants to help Sam get better. Yeah. There's, there's no better situation for a rookie than being behind a veteran who's who can still play and who's decent, who's coming off a career year. Who's played who in the league for like 20 years now somehow. Like he was drafted, I think, in 2002, I want to say. Yeah, you might be right about that. And so, you know, Josh can still play, but he knows he's not the long-term answer. No. So he's just going to start until Sam's ready, and then he'll be so graciously hand over, you know, the, the, the QB1. Uh, red penny to Sam Donald, and then they'll take the clipboard and be like, "Cool." Who I feel bad for is Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. who's in a who's kind of in a no-win situation, but by all account is having an awesome spring, and you know, going to have a good training camp. Hopefully, I love. You Teddy. don't want to wish anybody to get injured, but but I'm sure there'll be an injury or two somewhere. Yeah. So maybe the Jets can can flip him to a situation where he can still get some run. Like, just feel so bad it happened to that guy. No more Bortles. Can't do it. One more year. I don't know why people oh, are pinching in Bortles he, and the Jags winning the AFC this year. I, I can't get over it. I just, Blake Bortles is not doing well, this back-to-back years. It's not happening. You're, speak, you're speaking my language. This is why we're going to have a budding friendship oh, and I'm partnership, so yeah. buddy. I, I just, I, I can't, I can't see it happening. I, I can't see it happening. 
I, I, last year, I mean, look, yeah, Jacksonville's good on defense, and they have Leonard Fournette. But at some point, your quarterback has to win you the game. Yes. And they're not going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers every single week, who apparently – or they're not going to play in London every week either because Blake Bortles only plays well, to get, well against the Steelers and in London. So he's got to win you a game. And I, I just can't see it happening, which is why I'm shocked that they didn't go get a quarterback in the offseason or, or make a move. But well, I also yeah, I don't really because like either. so Bortles falls in that Andy Dalton zone for me where it's like and this is not a shot in Dalton where it's like the Bengals, I think, recognized a long time ago that you have to keep AJ Green. You have to supply him with a plethora of explosive playmakers to help him out, to mask his inefficiencies as a quarterback, like understand what you have. And the Jaguars let Allen Robinson and Hearns go. And it was one of those things where it's like, Bortles is not a quarterback that can make these young receivers better. Like, he's someone that needs, like, amazing talent all around him, not just Leonard Fournette. He needs a bunch of pieces. And they're relying on Dante Moncrief and just a bunch who's fine in a vacuum if he can stay healthy and everything else. But it's just like, you look at that wide receiver group and you're like, oh my God. If this is Tom Brady, yeah, he's fine. But, like, Blake Bortles is not going to make this work. And the AFC South is suddenly, like, a really compelling division because Andrew Luck, if you saw today, like, he's he's back. He's excited. Like, he's coming, and we know what he is when he's healthy. Deshaun Watson was insane last year when he was healthy, and he's back. And then you have the Titans with Matt LaFleur as OC, who might unlock Mariota, and they weren't bad last year. It's just I don't see a scenario where the Jags even win the division or – I don't. I guess I. I don't even think they make the playoffs. I really don't. Oh really? See, I, I do see them winning the division. I still think. I mean, I got it. Like I love Deshaun Watson. I thought he should have been the number one overall pick. I had him in fantasy last year before he got injured. Like he's amazing, and they're and they're going to be a great team. I think it's going to be them two battling it out for the division. I, I can't see Andrew Luck putting together a full healthy season. I just can't. I saw something today. He's like the tenth rated quarterback heading in this year for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Name, name me, name me who you would take Andrew Luck over. Like, I, I understand the top like eight or nine guys, but who else are you taking Andrew Luck over? You have no idea if this guy can throw a football. I mean, I know what Ian Rappaport tweeted out that he he's got zip on his passes yeah. uh, before pre-injury. Get out of here, man. I gotta see it. I gotta see it in the game. But we know when he is healthy. They win ten games. Like he's that good. Where it's just. I don't know, man. It's really hard to uh, count out against an uh, Andrew Luck. I don't Batelli. know, man. I can't do it. I gotta, I gotta see it. Yeah, I gotta see it. I, I don't think, I don't think they're gonna be very good. Okay. And Tennessee, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe their new offense, you know, Vrabel and Four can unlock Mariota, but they have Dean Pease, I think, though, uh, one of the best DCs in football. They got him out of retirement. Yeah, the he's, with, I, I he's just, with New England for a while. Yeah. I don't know. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it's Tennessee. I mean, it's it's Houston and it's Houston and Jacksonville again. I mean, I think Blake Bortles can just be mediocre. It can be Blake Bortles, and I think they'll still win ten games. But also, don't you? I think they can. I just, I just feel like NFL teams are too smart now. Where like they're not going to let Blake Bortles do this in back to back years. Like I feel like there's like an embarrassment where it's like, how do we yeah, let him get true. to the AFC that's Championship true. game? This is not okay. Like, this sh- cannot happen again. <laughs> right, We're not allowing right. this. This is a travesty. Right. But also, like, m- I pitched last year, like, the NFL should have stepped in for the wild card game and not allowed Jacksonville versus Buffalo. I think you give Buffalo the playoff, like, berth, raise the banner, Buffalo. Ended the drought, but they're not allowed right. to play. 
Like they actually cannot travel to Jacksonville <laughs> and the Chargers should have gone because that would have been fun. And guess what? If Los Angeles goes to Jacksonville in the playoffs instead and they get that last wild card spot, they're beating Jacksonville in round one and we're not doing any of this. The Chargers were on a roll. Yeah, they were no, figuring things you're out. You're definitely right. You're definitely right. I, I just I'm a firm yeah, believer in this. I, I can't call them I can't call them Los Angeles. San Diego does this every single year though. Yeah. They do it every year. They they start out so poorly and then they end the year hot and narrowly miss the playoffs. Or, you know, they did it one year, right? Didn't they go into they went into Cincinnati and beat Andy Dalton? I think so. By the way, I I think I think you insulted Andy Dalton How? earlier. I would much rather have Andy Dalton than Blake That's Bortles. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no, 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 no. I would rather have Andy Dalton than Blake Bortles. I was just saying that Andy Dalton falls in that line of like quarterback where it's like they're not an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, that kind of quarterback where it's like you can give them anybody on offense and they're going to find a way to make it work and make them look a lot better. He falls in the Blake Bortles camp, Joe Flacco camp, those kind of guys where it's like you have to surround them with a bunch of playmakers that are going to mask just how average or yeah. below average they are. You can still win with them, but it's just they're not someone that can do more with less is what I'm saying. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, Andy Dalton, by the way, great head of hair. First team all hair. Okay. In the NFL? Because I don't think that's true. You have Jimmy Garoppolo and you have a bunch of other guys that I think Aaron Rodgers. Tony, take 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 a look at Andy Dalton. I mean, Andy Dalton, much better head of hair than Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Um, I'm take a look at Andy Dalton. Off top of my head, who, um, uh, good looking, good looking dome, yeah. good looking dome. Okay, give it up for the ginger. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I can't really, I can't go into this right now because I just Jay Cutler's out, so he can't win. But um, are you watching very Cavalieri, By the way, I tell you what, I've. Uh... <laughs> I, I've I've recorded them. Uh-huh. I haven't actually watched them yet, okay. but I mean, I've, I've obviously I've seen all the tweets. Like Dan Hansus is like really into writing the recaps, and so I have been following along. Like I I know that he's taken over, uh-huh. which I couldn't be more excited for. How like I've done a complete one eighty on. Co- yeah, it's really funny. Like she thought her company and like her business, like she's a former reality star, obviously. So I'm sure she thought. And I'm sure all those secondary people that she works with thought that they were going to, ooh, we're going to be on TV and I'm going to be like semi-reality TV famous. And then Cutler comes in here with don't care and just being awesome and <laughs> stealing the show. I kind of love that. That man said like, I'm going to be medium. Like who talks like that? Cutler is out of his mind. He is my favorite human. I wrote my Sports Illustrated, the Cauldron's piece on why I'll never quit Jay Cutler. He is my dude. He speaks to me on a multitude of levels. I love that he's on reality television because he is true to who he is at all times. And I just, yeah. he's, he's money. Like Jay Cutler is fantastic and I need him in he, the booth. He's really, he's, he's an inspiration yeah. to us all. Like stay true to yourself because I own self be true. And I don't think there's a better example of that than Jay Cutler from Santa Claus, Indiana. Like this guy's made a hundred plus million dollars in his NFL career. doesn't need money. He just wants to hang out. And I think everyone questioning what Jay was going to be like in the booth last year before the Dolphins called and gave him like 12 million bucks to go six and eight or whatever he did. Hey, like, he won in Atlanta. We're seeing how we're seeing how awesome Cutler was going to be in the booth yeah. on this show. Like Fox needs to call him back and, and get him in the booth for 2018. Like we need more Cutler in our lives, not less. It's the perfect dichotomy with Tony Romo too. Cause like Tony's like super upbeat, super, 
joyful, like just happy right. to be there. And then right. you have Jay Cutler on the other broadcast just being like, what the fuck was that shit? Like, that's essentially what he's <laughs> like. You need that combination. Yes. We totally need that. We just need the honesty. Yeah. Just like, you're right. Romo's like, Oh my God, gee whiz, Jim, that was awesome. Golly gee. I can't believe that. And then Cutler's like, whatever. Uh, I would have done that. And, like, I could have made he that calls a play before it happens. He's like, Oh, I know what's happening here. I, who would, who couldn't have seen that coming? Like, it's just one of those things where he would just, it would be so subtle that he would trash. He would get so many coaches and coordinators fired just from his commentary where owners listen to him. They're like, and the thing is like, yeah, he would trash everyone. And then everyone's rhetorically like, what are you talking about? Jay, you were like the most mediocre wasted waste of talent ever. Like, like shut up. What are you talking about? You know what his response would be great. Don't care. Don't care. (laughs) It'd be awesome. It'd be so great. Uh, I'm so here for Jay Cutler. I hope he makes it back to the booth somehow. But he's got bigger and better things right now. He's a reality TV star. (laughs) Reality TV star, Jay Cutler. Who could have seen that? Gosh, what a crazy... The NFL is so crazy. The NFL is very crazy. A couple more things before we go. Um, Funniest Rich Eisen quirk that not many people know. Who? Funniest? (laughs) I did give him grief about this the other day. He, he like old man tucks in his shirt. Uh-huh. I mean, I, he like, he's 50. Yeah. He's almost 50. I totally get it. He's a dad. Um, he's got a ton of jobs. Big I totally understand that. But he, big fan of, big fan of the sweaters. Uh, he, he's a big fan of ugly sneakers. Like he's got very little fashion sense and they, like, he'll be like, Oh, but I wear, you know, X, Y, Z label. Well, your wife picks that out. You know what I mean? I've always like, assumed his wife dressed him. I, w- the first time I saw him on the news show, I was like, Oh, Rich Eisen's wife dresses him every day. Okay, I got it. Yes, 100%. And he does the old man tuck in. Yes. He came in one day with his t-shirt tucked in, mm-hmm. and I was like, what are we doing with the tuck in? Like, <laughs> like, you know, like, like any uh, hugely successful, you know, talent, he's, you know, he's very sensitive and like, yeah. and uh, he needs re- reassurance. And, uh, and so I, I know when to, I've been with the rich long enough, I know when to pick my spot. Mm-hmm. And so to just, to just, I, I was like the t-shirt tuck in really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then you can see him like get self-conscious and like, and then he'll bring it back up. He was calling it back like several days later. Uh-huh. So I knew that I got him yeah. <laughs> and he hasn't really done it since, but yeah, he does like the old man tuck. Uh, that's like, okay, all right. Do you know this who is he, what, this is what's happening? I know what okay, he's on cool. his way to. Um, did you ever watch Everybody Loves Raymond? I I know about the show. I never watched okay, it. Okay, do you know what the but grandpa yeah, looked yeah, like and dressed like in the show? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. That is Rich Eisen style. He's on his way. He's a little bit more <laughs> hip right now, but he is well on his way. He's a little He's a little more hip. He's a little more hip. I do like when he gets like a new something new and he like, really wears it in. Mm-hmm. He loves taking his glasses on and off. I don't know if you noticed that no. on the show. Okay. <laughs> He's a big glasses on and offer, <laughs> which I think is really funny. Cause like glasses is a new accessory for him. Uh-huh. I mean, he needs them obviously, yeah. but it's something new in the last couple of years. And so he's a big on and offer, okay. which I think is really funny, which is really funny. And, uh, how mad is he going to be if he ever listens to any of this? He's going to be very upset with how much we've done. No, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think, I mean, he knows these things about himself. So he, I would, I would hope that he would just well, laugh. We are, we would open up the partnership to Rich Eisen if he wanted to, like if he wanted to join in on the partnership and find his own on the Chili's core, on the Chili's core's like thing. I don't know what his thing is, would be. NFL, is Oh man. 
let's say that's a good question. Well, I mean, he's never seen Goonies or Jurassic Park, so this just kind of tells you what I'm working with here. Like, he gives me grief for all the whole quote unquote holes in my pop culture res- you know, resume, he says. Uh-huh. But, like, come on. You've never seen Jurassic Park and Goonies? Like, what are we doing here? Okay, so I've got some bad news. Like, you can't, um, I've you never can't, seen either of you those. Can't get, you you ever seen Goonies or Jurassic? You ever seen Jurassic Park? Nope, but I've seen Jurassic World. Oh my! So you totally didn't even understand the ending of Jurassic World then? I mean, it was a pretty boring like, movie oh, either oh, way. Cool. So I wasn't really like totally. You're like, cool. Here's the T Rex. Yeah. And you're like, oh, where'd the T Rex come from? Yeah. You need to go back and watch Jurassic Park to see where the T Rex came from. I don't care. It's T-Rex. fine. I don't come need on it. Now. It's in the past. Wow. Yeah. Don't need oh, it. It's great. The Goonies one was one too the, long. I remember the, seeing it, that. I was like, I'm out. I don't need this. Goonies is too long. Yeah. Oh man, I'm showing my age. Wait, how old are you? I am 27. Jesus Christ. I love Stand By Me, All though. Right. Stand By Me is a fantastic movie. Goonies just never got me. I just never really was in, into that. And it's only an hour and 54 Goonies now that I'm looking. It. it felt like three and a half when I tried to watch it as a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not Gone with the Wind, buddy. There's no intermission. Do you know what's even crazier? Is I've seen you, it several times. I watch times. baseball games every single day that are open at our hunger. Yeah. Um, so it's like right. four okay. hours long. And... Uh, I've definitely it, seen that multiple oh, times. Not a, not a scary movie guy. Definitely not a scary movie guy. Okay. Not going to see it. I don't think it's that scary. It's not It's not that bad. I think you'd be fine, Chris. Give it a chance. <laughs> the last one I saw, I saw The Conjuring in the theater. Yeah, not doing that okay. again. Never saw that. That was a bad idea. I went to, went to like a midnight showing of that thing. Uh-huh. Not good. Okay. <laughs> nope, no dice. Not into the scary movies. Um... There's a lot of there's a lot of scary things that just go on in everyday life. I don't need to like fork over my hard earned cash to like feel frightened in a movie theater. Do you know how sad? Okay, so I go to I used to go to a lot of midnight showings back in my younger days in my youth, and uh, one my of youth. my one one of the saddest things I remember is I went to see Batman vs Superman a couple years ago, um, the midnight showing, and there was this like thirteen fourteen year old kid. Um, who came in, big Superman fan, all that kind of stuff. And just the energy he brought going in and then just seeing him leave at two o'clock in the morning, just destroyed and just sad. Like not like super uh, upset. He was just so disappointed and so morose about the entire situation. Like he almost fell asleep at multiple points of this movie. And just, I, oh, I came away, guy. I was like, oh man, what a bummer. This dude went to a midnight showing just to see his guy, and it was the exact opposite experience that he was hoping for. And it was, it was a good, uh, it was a good thing for the movie though, because that movie sucked, and uh, I almost fell asleep during that movie <laughs> on several occasions. So, um, yeah, and also Superman, the worst hero by far. Superman is not interesting. He's the worst, and um, he is uh, not compelling in the slightest. Because there's no struggle. Yeah. He's Superman. But the struggle he can literally is a do rock. Anything, so kryptonite like what is that how does like the straw like I, I there's just so many problems with that i'm i'm out i'm out on superman <laughs> i'm out, I'm out superman. <laughs> what a take you never know where we're gonna go in this podcast um <laughs> i love it i love it what is the hardest thing about producing um a radio show and now a tv show like what are like when you go into it like if someone who's listening um doesn't have a background in it or they're just getting started like what like what would you say to them of like this is like one of the hardest things that i had to learn when i started doing this i think it's just um figuring out what's going to 
get people engaged. Cause like, w- you know, we sit there every morning and we know what we like. And so we try to, you know, most of the time it's just a matter of what we're into and that's what we're going to talk about. But we also try to be an interactive show. You know, we want to hear from people. Uh, we want people to tweet with us and call us and just kind of let us know what they're thinking. So it's trying to figure out what's going to get that going. And I think the hardest thing is that I've realized is you can't predict that. Uh, you may think you can, and you may think you have this like amazing poll question idea or this amazing segment idea um, that's either going to like light up the phone or get people to tweet. And it's something so stupid, like your favorite Caddyshack character that is actually going to do it. And so to try to predict that stuff and to try to predict what's going to go viral, quote unquote, is just a futile exercise. Like you're almost wasting your time. Like in the end, it's, it's our show and it's our voices every single day. And we just need to do what we like and trust that our audience is with us is like kind of ride or die. And they're going to be engaged kind of no matter what, because they have similar sensibilities and tastes uh, like we do, like we have. Yeah. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is like just trying to predict you're just kind of wasting your time because you, you never really know. You never really know. Like one of the biggest things, like just a random engagement, like when Rich first started doing the beard, it was like, should he shave it or should he not? And like, boom, every single phone line lit <laughs> up and like people were emailing us. What was and the like, consensus? We threw up a Twitter poll and, I think people wanted him to keep the beard. I think this has started a few years ago and he's just been kind of rocking it. Like I, I totally dig it as someone who's always kind of had some facial hair and like, it's hilarious. Like I said, so, you know, like everyone's looking for that next big thing to go viral, you know, and like one of my favorite things on Twitter, like a tweet will go viral. You'll see it. It'll have like 25,000 retweets or like a hundred and you're like, you'll click on the person who did it and they have 600 followers. Yeah. And you're like, wow. Like, how did that go viral? Like, you just can't predict it in, t- in today's age, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or whatever. So I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Like, just do what you like and what you believe in, and then your audience will believe in it too because you're so, you feel so strongly about it. So you're you're saying that you're going to have, like, because it was Chris, Chris Law has the beard, and he's, like, always had the beard, I feel like. And then... Chris Law has always had the beard, yeah. yeah. And uh, you've never had one. I did the free time... Well, I did a free Tom Brady beard okay. for like a year. Like when the whole, when the whole Deflategate thing happened, uh, and he got suspended, I was like, I'm just growing a beard until Tom Brady is exonerated. And I think I had it for like 40 days. Okay. And uh, this was before the yeah 2015 season. Yeah. Yeah, 2015. And um, and then when he came down that he was able to play that year, that he wasn't suspended for the beginning of 2015. We like intermittently shaved it throughout the show, so I had like. Half a half a face, half a half a face with a beard, Fu Manchu. We did the whole thing like that was super funny. Um, so yeah, I did go through a little beard phase. Okay, but uh, I pretty much keep it nice and clean these days, mostly because my mom watches. <laughs> my mom, I used to have a goatee for a long time, uh-huh. and uh, my mom absolutely hated it. Really? So I was like, you, you look so much, you look so much more handsome with a clean face. Talking about, be quiet. You know, I'm in my late late twenties or whatever. Yeah. And then finally, I think after all these years, she was right. And so I just kind of keep it clean. There you go. 
Um, I can't grow anything. Mm. It looks like someone drew permanent marker on my face whenever I try and grow out any type Ooh, of facial hair. It's not that's good. Rough. Yeah, no. And it's like I'm 27 now, so it's like if I'm not getting it at this point, it's probably never. Yeah, coming. yeah, you're not getting it now. No, right. That's like I'm always holding out hope that like, oh, maybe I'll wake up and I'll be like six foot four and like my basketball career will get rejuvenated. And I'm like, eh, I'm 38, probably not growing anymore. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> yeah, right. I would say never. Do you think Isaiah Thomas wakes up like that some days? Probably. Yeah. God, poor guy. Sad stuff. <laughs> I feel bad for him. I did not like that he called Danny Ainge. That was one of the most depressing headlines I've seen in a long time. Just like, uh, like I, take me, take me back. Take me back. I know you did me wrong by like shipping yeah. me uh, away to Cleveland, and um, you're not gonna be- like I wanted you guys to back up the Brinks truck for me a couple years ago. But um, can you, um, uh, can I come back, please? Like it was really depressing, and I did not like that at all. I know, right? Poor guy. It's like calling up an old girlfriend after like two years. Yeah. Ugh, rough. It's it was rough. Um, last thing, and then we'll go. Um, can you beat Rich Eisen in a forty yard dash? And Chris Law. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pretty decent athlete. So if I couldn't. Um, Speaking of, did you have any high have school records? Other, I have a whole other set of problems going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I had a high, yeah, I had, I still had the three point record at my high school for a long time. That's right. That's uh, right. Two years ago, this, this kid finally took it down. Really? And so that was kind of, that was kind of fun. Yeah. We made it a whole deal on the show. Like we had to call in cause like, I still know a bunch of the coaches and some teachers there. So like they connected me with the kid and we had him call in. It was really funny. Rich was like, have you ever heard of Chris? <laughs> and the kid's like, Nope. <laughs> He's like, not until this morning. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> Oh wow! Well, fuck that kid, man. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I and I was the uh, I was the quarterback on our football team, and I played baseball. So yeah, uh, I played. Uh, I've been active for a long time, but you know, I'm getting old. My body's breaking down. I still I only really play golf, and like I still play pickup hoops with my buddies. Like on Saturdays, we try to play, and we have a rec league. But uh, man, it's tough when you get older, and the body and the body starts failing you. Your mind tells you you can still do it, but the body it doesn't cooperate. <laughs> But, but yeah, to last confirm, year, you can be rich in a 40-yard dash. Like that is, yeah, okay. last year, yeah, that's confirmed. Last year at the draft at NFL, uh, at the Super Bowl, sorry, in Houston, they had NFL experience, and they had a 40-yard dash, and I ran a 5-3-8. Okay, that's good. So, so yeah, I got I got rich by a good like half second, mm-hmm. a little bit, little bit more. That doesn't sound like a lot, but in a 40-yard dash, that is a lot. And a 40-yard dash, yeah, six, six-tenths of a second is a lot. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, I think that's everything for right now. This was great. All right, buddy. Yeah, that was fun. Let's do it again. Let's definitely do it again. All right. Well, we can find you on the Rich Eisen Show that uh, is about to get back in full swing because the NFL is back and uh, there will be a lot to talk We're about. back, baby. We made it. Yes. We made it. Six, it was a long six months, but we made it. Has it really been that long? Oh, my God. Wow. Um, yes, but we're back. Training camp is here. NFL offseason is long. It is is very long. Chris Brockman, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much, and we will talk again soon, sir. You're welcome, buddy. Rock on. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. 
If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase Double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we will be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.